Welcome to the first episode of Personal Finance from the Hilltop with me, your host, Kyle Hill. I'm super excited uh, for this day. It's been on my mind for a while and uh, um, been uh, of, uh, thinking about, dreaming about uh, launching this podcast. And so it's it's nice to, it's awesome to see it finally come to fruition and We'll see where this goes, um, but uh, but a, a little bit about me. I'm a certified financial planner, and professional, and owner of Hilltop Financial Planning. Um, it's a uh, fee-only financial planning firm that caters to younger adults, typically in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z, if you want to look at it that way. You know, people ask me about uh, a lot of different things, ranging from investing to student loans, insurance, employee benefits, buying a house, all sorts of things. And so really what I wanted to do with this podcast is touch on all those things, but I felt like I need to kind of lay a foundation for the personal financial planning process. My belief is, and I think others would agree, is that that all kind of starts with a budget. Um, and so uh, we have a uh, special guest on today's uh, inaugural episode, our first ever guest on our first ever episode, and that is uh, Mr. David Gorley um, from The Budget Teacher. And so uh, a little bit about David. David is a former teacher who taught math at a Kansas City public school for the past eight years. He and his wife, then fiance, realized that they were tired of living a quote-unquote normal lifestyle as they were set to get married and started their and they started their family budget. So for the past several years, they have been living on 50% of their income, even after having a daughter over a year ago. Kids are expensive, I know this. They do all of this by using and maintaining a budget. This uh, this past spring well, was pretty exciting for David. Um, exciting time for David. He decided that he wanted to leave teaching to pursue his own business, helping others with their finances. And uh, the budget teacher was born. So, with a degree in finance and experience as a teacher, David is said to have a mind in finance with the heart of a teacher. The use of a budget has changed his family's life, and now he wants to teach you about how it can change yours also. So without further ado, here is our guest, David Gorley, the budget teacher. All right, and uh, welcome to the show, David, the budget teacher. How are you doing today, man? Doing great. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Happy to have you on our uh, first episode of Personal Finance from the Hilltop. So you are on the very first episode and the very first guest, so um, I wish you got a trophy for that. So we'll, <laughs> we'll do. So, uh, so before we get it started, um, kind of with our topic today, we've got a lightning round for you to, to uh, um, have our listeners get to know you a little bit better. And I'm actually gonna um, give you my responses on this as well. So perfect. All right, David. So lightning round. Um, emphasis on the lightning round, right? Uh, so you're a former teacher, math teacher. What's your favorite number? Seven. Seven. Why? Why seven? No reason. <laughs> Mine is five. 
And uh, everybody probably thinks it's for George Brett, but it's not. I just think it's a cool looking number on the back of a jersey. So that's cool. My, I wish Patrick Mahomes would go back to his college number of five. Yes. <laughs> so um, I also I was listening to your uh, podcast. For those that don't know, you have podcasts. We'll talk about that later. But uh, listening to your podcast, you're a big ice cream fan. So what's your favorite flavor? Of ice cream? Huge ice cream fan. Chocolate chip cookie dough. Awesome. Mine is uh, chocolate or anything chocolate. Um, I don't like anything with peanut butter. Okay. I can do that too. I can do that. Um, what is it? Uh, what movie is that? He's like, which one do you want? Blonde or the brunette? Said, I'll have either. I don't, I'll, I'll take anything. <laughs> Wedding crashers. That that's that's me with ice cream. Okay, so <laughs> same thing. Um, so uh, when you first graduated and then you got into teaching, I heard you say in your podcast you did a little uh, um, what Dave Ramsey would call some stupid, and you uh, uh, bought a brand new car, uh, twenty twelve Camaro, right? Twenty thirteen, but yeah, thirteen. Okay, hey. I did so stupid too. Okay. So I bought a brand new uh, Jeep compass. It's a wannabe Jeep Grand Cherokee is what I tell people. Um, brand new because I wanted a warranty because I did it before all this budgeting stuff and financial planning. And, uh, and uh, I was like, what am I supposed to do if something breaks down? I want a warranty. That was dumb on my part. So, um, so yeah, we've both done it, but we're paid off and we're good now. And uh, I still have mine and I heard you still have yours. Right. Yeah. I'm working on trying to get rid of it right now, but yeah. 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 So, um, so along those lines, what was your first car? It was a 1990 Ford Taurus that uh, I inherited from my dad and it was an absolute beater, but I, you know, I I loved it. It was just, it was, it was not a great car. What about for you? So my first car was supposed to be a 1985 uh, Nissan stick shift. However, um, they gave that to someone else. And so I got the hand-me-down of a 1994 Buick Skylark. Oh, nice. It's a custom-installed six-disc CD changer that was mounted in the trunk. I actually had one of those as well. Um, Yeah, it didn't make a whole lot of sense uh, if I wanted to change CDs. (laughs) So... But uh, I had to look this up, um, and I looked it up yesterday. The color was purple pearl. Oh, very cool. Official color. So, um, yeah, I called it the bird because the grill in the front looked like a bird, I guess, hence the Skylark. So I think it was beast. So um, moving on. So, uh, and this might uh, um, compromise your... uh, um, password logins. So, uh, feel free to say pass if we need to. So based on the first pet name and the street you grew up on, what's your stripper name? Um, Dottie Kirkwood. Dottie Kirkwood. I I like it. I like it. So mine would be Buddy Woods. Nice. That's that's, (laughs) That's even better. So, um, and last Last question is, uh, I, I asked everyone this question is what would your walk up song be? Oh man, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, welcome to the jungle. Welcome to the jungle. Just because I, I, I like the, I, I like the way that the song comes out. Yeah. Yeah. That'll get you jacked. Yeah. So, um, mine, 
I'm probably going to get made fun. I know I'll get made fun of for this, but uh, mine would probably be a Taylor Swift song, either from her Reputation album or her 1989 album. Hey, I can respect that. Or or me from her new album. I'm not a big fan of the new album. Kind of got a little woke. Um, but uh, I so like Ready For It, Bad Blood, um, Blank Space, even Wildest Dreams. Um, Lots of good options there. Yeah, it's uh, – um, or, or you know, maybe go in a different direction. Um, Luke Combs, Hurricane. I really like Luke Combs. So the the whole Taylor Swift thing, I guess kind of what uh, does that for me is um, when I was in high school, my sister was older than – was in college, and I was at a K-State baseball game. And I remember specifically um, this guy, Eli Rumler was his name. I think he was number three. Um, I could be wrong on that, but, uh, I guess when they did their walk-up music, he was gone for the practice. And so the older guys on the team picked his music. And so I was sitting there watching the game and then all of a sudden, um, the, the Titanic song comes on, um, my heart will go on. Cool, yeah. <laughs> I was like, Whoa, didn't expect that coming. That was, that was awesome. So that's kind of, it's a, a curveball, if you will. I like that. Pun intended. So, uh, but no, I, I think, uh, it depends on my mood that day. So I'd probably have like a shuffle playlist, a new song every time I came up. That's the best way to do it. Probably, uh, sound like a diva. Um, all right. Lightning round. I guess, uh, we, uh, probably need to call it five for five now. So, um, today we brought you on today cause you are a budget expert. You are the budget teacher and, um, really wanted to start this podcast out by laying the foundation. So it's a personal finance podcast. I'm a financial planner. Um, you are a financial coach and you focus a lot on budgeting, um, with your clients. And, um, I'm a, I'm a believer that the two go hand in hand and that for a financial plan to work, you have to have the budget. You have to have the budget working and the budget under control. And so, I, w- I wanted to start with kind of talking about the differences of what's financial planning versus budgeting. Aren't they the same? And so kind of the way I see them, how I explain them to clients is, you know, financial planning is more of a map of a, a financial map of where you want to go. And the budget is kind of like the vehicle that gets you there to your destination. And so with financial planning, you're looking, you know, at the short term, of like a year typically, and then you're looking mid midterm to, you know, a couple years down the road and then really long-term, where do you want to be in, in retirement in 20, 30, 40 years? Um, and so that's, that's kind of our map. And then budgeting is in my eyes is more of the day to day, the week to week, the month to month. Um, you're really not looking, you know, years out into the future with the budget. Um, it's more of, you know, um, what do we need to do with this that we have this being your income for this month and then financial planning is kind of what do we need to do to get to our destination and those two go in hand in hand so i guess what kind of get your thoughts on that yeah i think that's exactly the 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 case i always tell everybody that the the uh the budget is the foundation for everything that you can do for the rest of your life so if you don't have a good foundation then you can't build anything on top of it. 
And it's so it's very similar to your analogy. It's, it's you have to get that under control first, and then you can go about whatever it is that you want to do. Whether that is investing for the long term, uh, you know, buying a house, taking a year off work. All it is is about creating options in your life. And but you have to start with a solid foundation. Couldn't have said it better. And that last point that you made, foundation, and that's uh, this is the foundation for the personal finance journey. And if you can't get the budget under control, the financial plan is not going to work. You know, you're not going to get to where you're going. So, um, so yeah, we're uh, we're talking about the dreaded B word today. It's not dreaded to you, right? I mean, that's what you do. I love the budget. For me, it's not dreaded at all. And you know, I think that a lot of people think that it's a, a nasty word or they don't like to say it, but it's because maybe they've had a bad experience in the past, or maybe it's because they don't know exactly what it entails. But to me, and what I try to explain to my clients and anybody that will listen along the way, is that a budget doesn't restrict you. It shouldn't restrict you. What a budget does is it, it you are in control and then you tell your money where you want it to go rather than it being the other way around and the money controlling you. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and I, I think kind of diving into some statistics here, you know, um, according to a U.S. bank study, only 41% of households do a monthly budget. In addition to that, 78% of um, households are living paycheck to paycheck. And then uh, kind of the last thing that they pointed out was that 60% of households couldn't afford an unexpected $1,000 emergency. So um, you have car trouble, car breaks down and it's $1,000, 60% of households couldn't, couldn't afford that. To me, those numbers should terrify you. As like a general population, anybody that's listening to this, those numbers should absolutely terrify you because the, the problem is, is that people, again, going back to what I just said, but people don't have control of their money. So that means that they're being controlled and they don't get to make the decisions about their future they have to, most people have to put their money towards debt because they, they're so far in that they have to make sure that they're paying that back rather than building their future. Yeah. Yeah. And you want to talk about the correlation there. 41% do a budget. 60% couldn't afford an unexpected $1,000 emergency. Um, I think those numbers kind of speak for themselves. So um, I guess, you know, 78% living paycheck to paycheck, there's a you know, 18% there maybe that makes so much that, you know, they can carve a thousand bucks out of their, their paycheck, but um, still living paycheck to paycheck, not a good situation. So, um, no. and, and so kind of getting into what's the solution, right? And it's kind of, it's what you do. It's budgeting. Um, and you kind of touched on it a little bit. Um you know, it's, it's kind of become a nasty word for a lot of people um, and uh, restrictive and sounds nerdy with all the spreadsheets. Now, I don't use spreadsheets anymore, but uh, I've heard of some people that do. How about yourself? Yeah, I love spreadsheets. I could sit all day long and toy with my Excel spreadsheets trying to look at the different numbers. And sometimes it's just fun just to sit there and, and look at them. And I, know, I know that's probably a super nerdy thing to say, but as a, as a former high school math teacher, I, I'm probably a nerd, so it's fine. So uh, I'm a nerd too, but uh, I just want a budget app. And so we'll, we'll talk about those later. So, but um, I don't know if you're familiar with Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. 
I've heard of it. Yes. So, I've never, I've never done it myself. Okay. So it's what my wife and I did when right after we got married and it totally changed our lives. But in his program, um, he talks about in any relationship, there's a nerd and a free spirit. Right. And so in my relationship, I'm a nerd. My wife's a little more of the free spirit. Um, it's not a good or bad thing. It's just being aware of those things. And so, um, they give you a, a test of how far on the scale. So I think you're super nerdy and I'm pretty, pretty nerdy. So, um, but, uh, but what, what are some other connotations that the, the budget brings that you hear about it? You know, the restrictive nerdy it's, I make good money. I I've heard so many people say that is I make good money, but I look up and wonder where did all of it go? And yeah. so, I think a lot of people say, well, budget sounds like a poor person thing. Yeah, I would, I would say that that's um, something I've, I've heard before. And the problem is, is that I think it's the exact opposite. A budget is what people that want to become rich could use because it, it, it helps you align with not only what you're spending now, but where you want your spending to go in the future. The other thing that I think a lot of people have troubles with is that there is a lot of shame around money. And especially if debt's involved, um, people are so shameful about it that they don't want to look at the numbers. And by budgeting, you have to stop and actually calculate those numbers out. And so I would say, I mean, the, as far as what, what I do is with helping clients um, start a budget and look at their numbers, I would say there's only a little bit that's actually like a practical side. Most of it is talking about the behaviors and talking about their emotions behind it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, I know you're, um, a former math teacher, so, uh, but it's, it's not rocket science. It's, uh, I might, uh, be beating a dead horse here by going back to the Dave Ramsey. Well, but you know, he talked about it being 20% head knowledge and 80% behavior. Right. And so what, what a budget is doing is the behavior change that we talk about. So, um, and I mean, with all the, the budgeting tools that are out there, it doesn't have to be a world summit of building a budget. I mean, it's, um, you know, spend maybe a little less time on Facebook or, um, the gram Insta. I what I'm not on any of those. So, I'm only on LinkedIn because I have to be. So um, I'm not I'm not down with uh, what the kids are saying these days. What, Those are the cool words. I, I guess I just call it Instagram. So, okay. so um, might be 35, but I'm I'm an old spirit. So before we like dive into the nuts and bolts and everything, you know, let's talk about why we budget. You kind of shed some light on it earlier. Of it's you know telling our money what to do rather than wondering where it went, right? So it's kind of the way I view it is it's your monthly plan for your money, right? And you only have so many resources in the month, your income. And we're not in Congress. We don't have a printing press in the back, so we can't just print more. Um, I guess we could. We might go to jail for that. <laughs> so, but it's, uh, it's, you know, what we talk about, it's a behavioral change. And, um, my, so when we first started budgeting, um, it was back in 2011. I remember this cause I had just moved up here. Um, I was working in minor league sports and uh, my wife and I got engaged and I moved up here without a job, which is not a great, great plan. 
um, coming from a financial planner, but it all worked out. But uh, started dabbling into this whole budgeting thing and hopped on Mint. And it synced up with my bank accounts and everything. I was like, this is cool. But then I get to the end of the month and I go back and look at my budget. I'm like, well, I'm overspending. Why, you know, in these different categories and because I wasn't making a plan at the beginning of the month for the budget, I was being more reactive and just letting the transactions flow in and just, and it categorizes them for you, or at least it did at the time. Um, but I wasn't taking a proactive approach. And so I think we'll get into that as, you know, budgeting is a proactive measure. It's being intentional with your money and, uh, and telling it where to go. So it gets into paying attention is really what a budget is doing, right? And yeah. uh, I mean, it's just like in life. If you're not paying attention to the road, you're going to get in an accident. Just this morning, I loaded up the kids and uh, pulled out of my driveway. And usually there's nobody parked behind my car. But uh, I looked back and I just barely missed a car. And so it's just because I wasn't paying attention, right? Any thoughts on that? No, I think that's 100% true. All of the, all of those ideas, yeah, I agree with them 100%. And that's one of the things that uh, that I try to really let people know is that by taking that control back, that it really opens up your life to so many possibilities. And a lot of people, I don't think, realize that early in. But by taking the control and then you are the master of your money, you can you can do all these different, you know, like we said before, you know, plan your retirement. Uh, so many people think that they have to work until 65 and then that's it. And, and you know, I like to try to have people dream a little bit more about, hey, you don't have to do that. It's the, it's the way of everybody else. You don't have to have a car loan your entire life. You don't have to uh, you don't have to take on debt. You don't have to do the things that other people consider normal. And I, I know you've said uh, talked about Dave Ramsey quite a bit, but I know he always says, live like no one else now. So that way you can live like no one else later or something to that effect. And, yeah. uh, and I think it's a, I think that that's one of his great, I think he does a lot of great stuff. And, uh, and part of it is just that people need to understand that there's a different way to do things than what so many people have been exposed to. And I think part of that comes down to education, not just in school, but also family education. And if you haven't been exposed to those kinds of thoughts, well, then it's hard to think differently if you haven't ever had exposure. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's a big thing is, um, you know, we're just not teaching people this early enough. Um, I, you know, I stumbled upon it my on my own. You know, it wasn't something that was taught to me by my parents or anything. I do remember my grandmother um, one time pulling out a piece of paper trying to teach me how to do a budget. I'm like, I don't make any money. How am I supposed to do this? And I, I think I was like a freshman in high school or something. So it's, but uh, uh, times have changed. So she, she was really my first uh, Dave Ramsey. So, but yeah, he says live like no one else. So later you can live like no one else. And yeah, it says um, uh, normal sucks. Be weird. You know, going back to that, I think, I think that you're right about that. Um, but you also have to be willing to make the changes. And, and so many times, like I was the same way. My parents, you know, we discussed money a decent amount, but I did not care about budgeting. You know, I bought that brand new car. Like I just, I had it in my head that I was going to do things a certain way. And once I almost saw the light and then I started researching on my own, I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much here 
and you go down, man, you can go down a quick rabbit hole, huh? But uh, starting to pick up more information, you start learning and all of a sudden you're like, you know, ideas come up and different things. And yeah, ours, our journey started uh, about three years ago. So, you know, one of those where, but everybody's, I think, starts at a different time. And someday you just wake up and you're like, I'm tired of doing what I've been doing. Let's see if there's another way. And the answer is, yes, there is another way. Sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, how, how will, how deep are you willing to cut? Um, yeah. and, uh, yeah, it's, if you continue doing the same thing over and over and you expect a different outcome, it's definition of insanity, right? You yeah. gotta do something different. You gotta shake it up. And so, but I, what I've experienced in the, in the budgeting process is, um, it's an empowering thing when you get someone on a budget and they see how much money they have that they're bringing in, how much money they make and where all their money is going. And they get to tell their money what to do. It's an empowering thing. And when they're able to get it under control, it, it builds up this confidence. And I've worked with um, a couple clients um, on budgeting specifically. And it, it's just amazing to see the transformation that people make when they go from not knowing where their money was going, not doing a budget to getting them on a budget and sticking to it. And the f transformation of just the confidence um, that they, that they gain and how they feel empowered and that they're not a victim anymore. They are, they, they, the person in the mirror is the secret to their success. And when you get them on a budget, they believe that it's not, woe is me. I hope the government's going to pay off my student loans. It's I can do this. Um, and it's going to happen and money, you're going to do what I tell you to do, not the other way around. So, well, I guess what, what it is talk about maybe your experience with your clients as it relates to, um, kind of the transformation you're seeing. Yeah. So I always describe myself as a budget coach or a, a financial coach, as we've discussed earlier. And so the word coach, though, is the important part because I can't do any of the work for my clients. They have to. They, so I, I think a lot like uh, athletics. And, you know, I grew up as an athlete my entire life. And no matter how much I wanted or didn't want to do the practice that day, uh, nobody else could do it for me. You know, I had to put in the work, I had to put in the time, but my coaches were the ones that kind of laid the groundwork and had the plan and showed me the, the way. And so that's exactly what I try to do with my clients is I, I give them the plan. I'm sure you're the exact same way, show them the steps and then allow them to make the, the decisions that are going to impact them one way or another. But the thing is, is that everybody's going to go about it a slightly different way. And you're hundred percent right. The, the transformation from, I have no clue where anything's at or what I'm doing. And then you get them on a plan. And in the beginning, it could even be just a simple plan. It doesn't have to be anything extravagant. But what one of the big things that I always say is that you have to at least know where your money is going. Like you got to start tracking those expenses. It starts, you know, we talked about the foundation. That's even the foundation of the budget. So it's the foundation of the foundation. But you have to start with the simple tracking of where your money is going. And then you can start looking at some other things after that. But once they do that, and once they start seeing a little bit of success, oh man, like you mentioned, the the confidence and the the empowerment really comes in and and takes over. And, and you're you're 100% accurate on that 
people can change their lives in a relatively short period of time with some um, just knowledge of where things are going. It doesn't, you don't have to change any of your, to start with, you don't have to change any of your spending habits. You just have to say, okay, the very first step is where is it going? And then when you realize that you're spending $1,200 a month on going to out to eat, you're probably going to want to make some changes because it's going to make you sick to your stomach. And you're going to be like, oh man, I can't believe I'm eating my money like that. And and that, a lot of times that's what I see with my clients is, is there's some, some big areas that people spend money in that they don't necessarily realize that they spend money on. And whenever they start becoming aware of it, it, it makes them like almost sick to their stomachs. Like I said, like, oh my gosh, I've spent this much money on going out to eat. I've spent this much money on clothing is another one that a lot of people uh, you know, it's like, oh, I'm just going to go pick up something small or even just the small day to day things that they don't think are going to add up after a period of time. They're like, wow, I'm spending a thousand dollars a month on you name whatever it is. Well, OK, what what is a good amount that you could spend? And we start talking about how can we you know, whittle that down? And it's, uh, most of the time what I've seen is that it doesn't really take any massive behavior changes. It's just as soon as they become aware of it, they want to make those changes themselves. And going out to eat is um, definitely, I, I think people don't realize how much you can spend on that. My wife would probably tell you that I get a little twitchy when we go out to eat just because you can rack up a $50 bill like that. I mean, okay. that's nothing. I mean, you can even a hundred bucks and think about doing that, you know, a couple times a week. It, yeah. it, it's, so, yeah, um, I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, I can make this stuff at home. It might not taste as good, but, uh, you know, eat to live. Don't don't live to eat. We've got $100 a month for our going out to eat budget. <laughs> and when that's up, that's up. So um, that's that's how we do it. Let's let's talk about kind of the mechanics here of, of how to budget. And I'll, I'll kind of let you take this off. But, uh, you know, kind of what I said before, what I've, I'll, I'll tell you what I've learned, um, the process that I use that I've, um, through, uh, financial peace university that they, they preach and what was effective for us. I know there's some other forms out there and maybe you can tell us, um, you know, kind of what works for you, what works for your clients, but I use the zero based budget method where it doesn't mean you have zero money. It's your income for the month minus your expenses must equal zero, right? You can't be over, you can't be under. Um, if you have a negative number, that means you're overspending, and you need to go back into your budget and adjust your expenses. If you have a surplus, you haven't allocated all your dollars properly. And if you don't tell your money what to do, it's going to go where you tell it not to. It's going to go where it wants to go. And so that, you know, $300 that you leave left over in your budget that you don't allocate, it's going to get spent on probably worthless stuff. Um, let's be honest. So um, I, I take the approach. It's a proactive it's a proactive process where you do the budget before the month begins every month. And yeah, that, so I know there's a couple other different types of um, budgeting processes out there. Do you, what, what do you use with your clients or is it a, a mix of different types of budgeting? Sounds very similar to what you described. I'll go through kind of my steps that I use if that's okay. Yeah, go and for it. And, but yeah, I, I do believe that having a zero based budget is a really good idea. That's, that's basically the exact same thing that we use. What I have my clients do though, is we go through, uh, an initial, you know, intake form more or less. It's an Excel spreadsheet where they, they list out all of their, the things that they could spend on money throughout the entire year. So for example, 
uh, in Missouri, we have property tax. I don't know if everybody has it or not, but I know we have property tax and it's going to come up in December. And so rather than waiting until December for that, we plan for it all year long. And I have my clients do the same thing. And one of the, the exciting parts about that, if you can say exciting with the budget, is that whenever <laughs> December, when December comes around, we don't have to go trying to find that money. It's already built in. We've got it. It's, it's sitting there and it's waiting for them. Um, and that's where the real transformation comes is whenever you have, whenever you realize that you have money sitting there for a specific purpose. Um, but okay, so I'll, I'll kind of go through my, my six different steps of really getting into it. Um, first one is tracking expenses. I think, like I said before, that's, that's where you have to start. Uh, you need to know every single thing that go, that comes out of your, um, bank account or onto your credit card or whatever the method is that you're using to spend. You need to know where, where, what it is and where it is. Once you have those, the, the tracking, I like to put things into categories. So I've got, you know, grocery store, going out to eat, gasoline, uh, electric, uh, electric bill, gas bill, all these different things, whatever it is that you spend money on, I like to break them into those categories. Once you have that, and one of the things that, like I just mentioned, but you have to consider the sinking funds. And so sinking funds, the ones that I think about, and there's so many, and it just depends on, you know, the person, obviously, but uh, Christmas is one that people don't generally think about. Like if you celebrate Christmas, it's coming up every year. I can't even tell you the date. It's going to be December 25th. And so many people think that it's this, oh, it came out of nowhere and I didn't have the money because, well, you can plan for that. And I plan for it all year long. Uh, property, go ahead. What were you going to say? Creeps up on you. Creeps up on you every single time, right? And property taxes the exact same way. And when those things always you know, coincide at the same time of the year, you're getting hit with a massive bill between between Christmas and uh, and property tax. And you can you can eliminate that by planning for it all year long. Go back there for a second and let's talk about sinking fund real quick. Why don't sure. you explain that for, for everyone, what the concept is behind the sinking fund? So sinking fund is something that's going to cost you money at a period of time. It could be a year. It could be six months from now. It could be two years from now. I don't know exactly when it will be, but we're going to save for it every single month along the way. So that way, whenever it does happen, um, you are covered and you've got this pot of money that's sitting there for that specific expense. So I'll give you a, a, a short-term one and a long-term one. I do my insurance. We pay for it every six months. I know that insurance is going to come up every six months because that's how I have it set up. I don't have it month to month. We get a, a great deal, by the way, on doing it every six months. And rather than that sixth month hurting every single time, we plan for it every single month. So that way, whenever the sixth month happens, then it's like, okay, there it goes. And we just send it on its way. A, a longer term one is going to be like house repairs or car repairs. If you own a car, I will tell you this, your car is going to need maintenance at some point in time. Or if you own a house, you're going to need some maintenance done on your house. You might need a new roof. You might need, uh, one, of the, one of the things we've got currently going on is our shower is uh, leaking into the garage. Guess what? We need to have a shower, uh, the shower fixed. We have two showers, but we still need to get the other one fixed. It costs money. But yeah. we save for a house repair every single month and we've been doing it for three years now. So, you know, when those big things pop up, we can say, okay, we've got some money. Let's put it towards that expense. No big deal. And and you can move on with your life rather than freaking out. And the, the case may be is, you know, if, if we need a new roof, it's going to cost a lot of money. It yeah. may be more than what we've 
planned for ahead of time. But at least we have a very solid foundation of money to pull from. And then it's like, okay, maybe we have some other saved up. We have, hopefully have our emergency fund. There's places that we can pull from. And you know, at the very end, okay, maybe you still have to finance it a little bit. At least you've set yourself up with, you know, if you've got a $10,000 house repair or roof repair, maybe you've got $8,000 that you can pull from and now you only have to spend 2000 Hey, that's way better than taking out $10,000 worth of, of debt straight on. So it's, it's, not, it's not a perfect system, but man, it can help you a ton um, as you move forward. Once we get those things kind of in place, the next thing that I start to look at is, well, first of all, you have to make sure that you're spending less than you make, because if, if you're not, uh, then you're going into more and more debt each month. So we look at monthly cash flow and it says, uh, you know, are we in a, a, you know, a positive or a negative monthly cash flow? And the goal is, is that whatever you spend, including those sinking funds, uh, we want to make sure that we spend less than we bring in. So that's, that's the next thing that I look at a lot of times with my clients. Once we get all of that stuff under control, that's when the fun can really start to take place. And again, I use the term fun with budget, but I love budgeting. The fun parts are the next is value-based spending. And what I mean by that is making sure that you actually are spending money on things that you enjoy. So if you're in debt and you're paying off your credit cards or your whatever the debt is that you owe, that's not fun. You're paying for something that took place in the past. Nobody likes that. But yeah. when you take back the the power and you've paid off that debt and you can start figuring out where you want to spend your money, then you can say, hey, I really like going to Chiefs football games. Okay, I'm going to spend money on that. I really don't like, think of something you don't like. Okay, I don't want to spend my money on that thing. And so one of the things that my wife and I have talked about is um, we don't really get enjoyment from watching TV that much. We watch, some, we'll do some Netflix here and there and, you know, maybe buy a movie every once in a while, but we don't, we don't sit down and watch TV all that often. So we just decided let's get rid of our cable bill. We're spending money on this for no reason and it doesn't bring us that value. So we got rid of it. What do you do for sports? I'd totally do that if it weren't for sports, <laughs> which uh, hasn't been really existent lately, but now we've got uh, baseball back on. What, what side note here, uh, I guess, are you able to watch Royals games? So there are some ways to watch them. Uh, okay. I don't know if they're necessarily street legal, but... Uh, <laughs> Budget hacks here. <laughs> but there are ways to get sports. Um, yeah, I'm probably not going to go into that. But uh, what, uh, So um, have you watched any of the games where they don't have fans in the, in the stadium? Oh, yeah, that's hilarious. Are you pro-empty seats or pro-the cutouts? I, I think empty seats would be better. The, the, the cutouts oh, are just... I, I think they're funny, but as a player, I think that I'd be like, what is happening here? <laughs> it, it's got to be weird. It's got to be weird for those guys. Uh, I, 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 uh, I've I noticed a lot of them have gone from like body cutouts to these big head cutouts. And I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. Uh, but I, I like the cutouts, the body cutouts. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I just don't know how it's like almost like a practice. Yeah. I don't know how you get jacked up for that. So I don't know. It was sidetrack. So, so I guess the answer is, is that if you could buy like a sports package or something like that, maybe it's cheaper. And I don't know. I mean, that's the, the thing that I guess you'd have to look at. But and the thing is, is that if you love watching sports, buy the sports package. But then maybe, you know, maybe you have to take away from something else in your life. And that's that's what I really that's the, the work that I really dig in with my clients. You have a set amount of money. And unless you, you know, get more income coming in, which is always great to do. But 
if you're currently at a certain income, then you have to make it work at that income. When you, you know, get more income, then you can decide. And I usually try to defer people away from doing lifestyle creep, but you know, use whatever it is that you have to your ability. But at the same time, if you're above that, then you're living outside of your means and you have to make some drastic changes. So a, a lot of times when people come to me, um, they come to me because they realize that they're making some mistakes. And most of the time people are in a negative cash flow position where they do have some debt. So it's one of those where it does take, especially the first couple of times that I'm talking to somebody, it's challenging because um, they have to make decisions that they don't want to make. And that's where the budget does feel bad. It feels bad early in because if you've been making $6,000 a month and including your sinking funds, which those do, they, they are going to come up at some point. So we want to consider those. You're, you're spending $7,000. Well, then, yeah, you're going to have to make some quick fixes and what can we get rid of right now? But once you get that under control, then you can start deciding what, what you want to spend on if it brings you value. And then the very last thing that I really focus on with my clients is how can we reduce the expenses that you're already spending? So, you know, there's a lot of things that I really enjoy, but if we can take that thing and spend less on it and still get the same quality, why not do that? And so, for example, on that cell phones, you know, there's people that are paying $200 a month for two cell phones. Yeah. And original SE, man. Yeah. Everybody makes fun of me for it, but I've got an eight right now. And, and you know, the thing is, is that I, you know, I like having an iPhone. I don't want to have something else, but there are some plans out there as well. Um, you can get a phone with unlimited data, the whole, you know, text talk, everything like that for, for 25, 30 bucks a month per line. And if, if it's the same quality, in my opinion, why not, why not get the better, the, the same quality with a cheaper price? Yeah. And I try to do that with every single thing. So whenever we spend money, we look at it and we say, okay, that thing that we're spending money on, could we spend less somewhere else with the same quality? And if we can, then we go do it. Now, what we don't want to do is we don't want to trap ourselves into being, you know, super cheap. We're, we're, we're not trying to be super cheap. Now, frugal maybe, yeah. But, um, but you do want to, you know, there's a fine balance there of making sure that you still enjoy your life along the way. You got to be able to enjoy the process, but also not spending recklessly on things that don't mean anything to you. Yeah. We're, we're not talking about the fire movement here. I mean, we're just talking about controlling your spend expenses. We're not, we're not telling you to, you know, drastically cut. Well, I mean, we're not telling you, you have to cut everything out and live on rice and beans and, um, yeah. use an old dial up phone and you know, that sort of thing. So, um, but you do have to make sure that you're inside of whatever it is that you make. So either, yeah. you know, basically the, the two sides of the equation are you might have to spend less or you might have to go out and try to figure out a way to make more. Yeah. Yeah. And your, your budget's kind of like guardrails. It yeah. keeps you on track. Right. Um, and you touched on something there. I think in this instant gratification society that we live in, it's tough because um, if you want something, you can have it tomorrow um, with Amazon, you know, Amazon prime, you can have it on your doorstep tomorrow. Um, they make it so easy to go finance a car and everything. And so it's the, the, the pain of having to save up for something it's, I want it now, you know, it's kind of like a, my four-year-old, 
Um, he's like, ah, I want, it, I want it now, you know. I, and it's like, well, it, no, we've we've got to be um, a grown up about this. I mean, that's a four year old, but adults, we've got to be grown ups about this, and um, it's it's maturity, right? But uh, one of, one of the things you mentioned um, about spending, um, when I was at a conference, uh, the XYPN Live conference back in uh, two years ago in St. Louis, they had uh, one of the keynote speakers. I had a, I, I'll have to find her name and um, put it in the show notes. But uh, she was, um, the title of her presentation was something about like money doesn't buy you money can buy you happiness but you're spending it wrong That's you're good. spending your money wrong and kind of my t- key takeaway from her presentation was that when we buy a thing we're less satisfied with it because it always gets measured up to someone else's thing so like a brand new car right you know new models come out somebody's got a better car than you do or when you get your new iPhone, next year somebody's going to have a better iPhone than you're going to have, right? So what her presentation was more about shifting your spending on the things that you want from stuff to experiences. Because experiences, they're not something that's measurable. You can't put it up next to somebody else's experience and say that the you can't compare them. They're, they're not comparable. Um, yeah. it's, it's not something that's tangible that you can place on the table and it's, it's, you know, what, what you experience. And so I, I thought that was really interesting. I, there was a point in there where you're kind of touching on that of, you know, where we want to spend our money and we don't want to spend on this and, um, getting satisfaction out of that. So, um, yeah. so, so when, when you're, um, putting the budget together, how do you prioritize the budget? Because I've always gone with, um, kind of going from Dave Ramsey says you need to cut, take care of your four walls, you know, your household and what the four walls are is food is your top priority, right? You need to be able to eat to survive. Um, you need to pay your utilities, you know, in the dead of summer, you want AC in the winter, you want heat, you need to pay your utilities. You need to pay your shelter. You need your shelter. So whether it's your mortgage your rent, um, transportation, being able to put gas in the car, that sort of thing. And then uh, basic clothing. Those are kind of his, his, uh, you got to take care of your household first before you can go over here and do some other things. Now, obviously there's other things to include, like, you know, you need your auto insurance. It's, it's a need. Um, But, and he really gets into that as separating wants versus needs. And so, you know, those are definitely needs. You need those things to survive and, and thrive in society today. But um, how, how do you prioritize those with your with your clients? A lot of times, like I had mentioned before, I do value-based spending. Yep. And so we talk, uh, one of the first sessions that we have of what brings you the most value and what kind of things are you, um, what kind of values do you have in your life? And I'll tell you that whenever, whenever I talk to people, some of the things that they, some of the things that stand out to me are when they say, um, I value family. I value travel. I value, um, you know, tons of things that are like, that could be like that. What I'd never hear them say is that they value laziness. Uh, most people that I've talked to don't value convenience. So whenever we're talking about the food, yes, food is something that you need to live, but 
how much do you need to spend a month on food? So maybe your grocery budget right now, if, you, if you're looking at what, how much you spend every month, you know, here in Missouri, if you're spending above a thousand dollars a month, that to me is like, you're living large. Like you oh, might yeah. be buying steak, steaks every night and you know, whatever. Like, so, well, so yes, your household side, if we're talking about the Duggars, you know, it's a different story, but yeah, yeah, average family here. Yeah, certainly. So, so that's, I do think that's part of it as well as, um, you know, I, my family at least, which we've got a 15 month old and then me and my wife, it's like 600 bucks a month. We, we feel like we're living large. And, uh, so I think that it's important to, to, you know, think about what you value as well. So we, we go through our list of everything. I have them fill out, you know, the spreadsheet that includes basically everything that you could think of. And then they say, I start asking them like, okay, so obviously the mortgage, we need that because um, you, you need a place to live. Okay. We've got, um, you know, house repairs. You need to have that in there because at some point your house is going to, something's going to happen. You need to have something, some backup there. As we go through it though, we start looking at, and so you get through, basically we get through the the needs at the beginning and yeah. then we turn into, okay, so you've got, we're still $700 behind where we need to be for our monthly cash flow. Uh, you've got cable, you've got internet, you've got uh, Hulu, Netflix, Amazon Prime, you've got all these things. Which of those do you want to keep and which ones can we get rid of? And so then we start talking that through that. And then, um, but uh, so I guess the, in, answer to your question is that we look at it based on what do they value? Because after you get through those four walls, as you mentioned, there's still a lot of choice in most people's budget. And so I truly believe that a budget will be successful whenever you have had your input and you make sure that it matches what you want out of your life. If it's me telling you how to do your budget, you're going to fail. But if it's you setting your budget based on what you value, uh, I think that you're going to have a lot of success. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah, we, you're the guide in the process, but at the end of the day, you know, your client—they're—they're the—they're the hero in their story. They've got to decide what to do. You're just there guiding them down the path, and you're—you're you're presenting them with a solution to their problem, but they have to do it. Yeah. Um, so, and give—I I always tell people this: is you know, it's kind of like riding a bike. You're going to suck at it at first. You're going to fall. You're going to get some bumps and bruises. You know, your first month or two, you're probably going to go over budget because there's going to be things that you've forgotten to include um, because this is your first time doing it. And so it, they generally say it takes 90 days to get good at this. And so, you know, it's we're in this long marathon called life. And if one month you don't get it, you screw up, you can't give up. You know, it's, there's, there's no giving up in this race, right? We're in it till the end. And so you can't throw in the towel and just say, you know, YOLO, I'm going to do whatever. Cause that's not gonna, that's not going to lead to a, a prosperous life. So uh, I've got a, a story for you on that. So we started our family budget the day that we came back from our honeymoon. And uh, so it was August 1st of 2017. And, um, so I had basically created the budget and my wife was just kind of like, I'll go along with it. Yes. Okay. But you, you wanted to get through the honeymoon before you slided that over, huh? <laughs> well, we, we did not combine our money at all prior. And so it was just, to me, it just made sense of like, okay, we're going to do this. Uh, like we got to do this. We got to change up the way we've done things. 
I had already been researching it for months before uh, I created my own version of an, of an Excel spreadsheet budget. And I felt like it really fit what we needed. And we've tweaked it a lot since then, but, uh, but we still use the same one. But I did all of this planning on my own without really her input. And so uh, we're, we're both teachers at the time. And so August 1st is when we started and school starts mid-August after that, right after that. And so my wife went out and bought a brand new first day of school outfit. She had done it every year for, for a number of years before that. And uh, it was an expensive outfit overall. And so we each got a little bit of money that we could use however we wanted. And, and she spent hers more or less within the first couple of days of the budget. And oh my goodness, it was, there were some challenging times in there on the first week of, of marriage because, you know, she had been used to being independent for years. I used to be, uh, used to be independent for years. And then we combined and we just were trying to figure out marriage and all this stuff and then throw a budget on top of it. And I remember that I was like, okay, I got to smooth things over. So I ended up giving her some of my quote unquote, my money from that month, because I was like, I believe that this will help uh, the budget that is not, not me smoothing yeah. it over, but I believe that the budget will help us. I believed in it so much at that time that I was like, I've got to get her on the same page with me. And so I gave her, I, I think it was half of my allotted money that month. Cause I don't spend a ton anyways on, on yeah. very much stuff. So I gave her this money and then I was like, okay, can we please keep going? Cause I believe that this is going to help. And we got through the first month and it was okay. Second yeah. month was a little bit better and you're right. It takes time. And the thing is, is that if we'd given up in month one, two or three, we wouldn't have seen those incredible things. And so we've only been budgeting for three years now. We're, we just celebrated our three year anniversary of, well, I guess of, of marriage and of budgeting, but the results have been so crazy over those three years. And that's why I want to make sure that people understand is that we are two teachers from Missouri. We're, we're nothing special, but we, by budgeting and, and then following that plan of, you know, figuring out what we care about, reducing expenses and having our income increase over the past couple of years, we ended up getting down to a 50% um, savings rate and really being able to figure out what we wanted to do. And it gave me the ability also with my, you know, with my wife taking some sacrifices in this gave me the ability to quit my teaching job and pursue this passion of mine of financial coaching, uh, where I'm helping other people. And specifically, I love to help teachers, but, uh, but it gave me that option, which I never would have had, you know, looking back three years ago, we, we didn't think that this would be something we could do. Yeah. That's awesome. It's how deep are you willing to cut? It sounds like you guys cut pretty deep, but, uh, like you said, it, it uh, allowed you to pursue this passion, this dream that you have. And we're kind of similar. Um, you know, my wife and I, we started the budgeting process um, back in 2013. And, um, you know, at that point it was, you know, getting out of debt and, you know, we paid off $80,000 roughly of consumer debt and, um, wow, that's good. Fund and um, it allowed us to make this, transition where i was able to you know step away from my um, uh my uh, uh corporate job if you will or um working for someone else and starting my own business uh starting my own financial planning firm so kind of similar similar stories there yeah very so similar. we kind of talk about you know the how to budget and everything and 
I'll, I'll put a, a resource in the show notes. Uh, there's a budgeting um, worksheet that you can do, but it's what we've talked about is start with your income, you know, plan before the month begins, start with your income for the month, and then look at your expenses for the month, plan those out and go back and look at, you know, previous month bills or, you know, when you get your, um, you know, get your new statement for, for your utility bills. I know that's one of the things I get is, well, I don't know what my utility bill is going to be this month or something like that. And it's like, well, look at what happened last month. Look at last year, you know, in the summer you have higher than, than um, typically you have on your power bill because your AC is working overtime. Um, so do a little research to get a ballpark estimate. But then when you put that in your budget, that's your plan at the start. But I talk about your budget being, it's kind of like a living document, right? It's not a theory. You don't just set it and forget it. Um, I don't, there was an infomercial for some cooker online, set it and forget it. Yeah, that's not, it's not the budget. It's, it's an active living thing. You set it at the beginning of the month. This is your plan for the month. And then as new information comes in, you make adjustments. And so, you know, your you, your electric bill is 30 bucks higher than what you thought. You've got to adjust that in your budget. Yeah. If you're doing a zero-based budget, that's going to throw that number off. You're going to be overspending by 30. And so you've got to go in your budget and adjust where you are able to. Obviously, you can't pay less on your utility bills, those things that you need, you, it's typically in your, your fun money or your wants, if you will, you have to make adjustments there. Um, and there's a lot of ways to actually um, battle that and beat that because there are like, if you talk to your electric company or your gas company, there's ways to get that where you can um, do the month to month plan more or less where they average it out for you. Yeah. Or you could try to average it out yourself. Yeah. And I, I, I'm not a big fan of the, the, you know, flat monthly plan no. because I've, I've heard some people say they've done that and people kind of internalize it as this is an all you can eat buffet, crank the AC up. And then next year they're locked into a monthly utility bill that's, you know, 30 bucks higher a month or something like that. So, I don't, but you know, it's to each their own and finding what works best for you. you know? Yeah. So I'll, I'll include some links to those budget forms um, that people can look at and they can reach out if they have questions or anything. So, so maybe talk about um, people with a variable income, because I know that's challenging for some people. And you and I, we have a variable income portion there. So um, maybe talk about budgeting with a variable income. So I think that most people with a variable income have an amount of money that they think that they're at least going to make that month. And so that's what we try to budget for is kind of worst case scenario. And then as that additional money comes in, like sometimes people make a lot of money in the summer or maybe they're making money on in the fall, whatever, whenever they make, make the money, then you can say, okay, I've got this extra money. I want this money to go to my options, my goals, my dreams, paying off debt, whatever that case is. And your month to month just stays the exact same all the time. I think that's a really good way to do it. Um, but I know there's probably other ways to, do, to, to look at that also. I think it really depends on, um, the people it's a, you know, it's a personal finance, it's personal. And so I think it just depends on how you view it. But, uh, but that's usually what I try to recommend to people is that if, if there's a set amount of money that you can more or less guarantee that you're going to bring in. So let's say that some months you make 6,000 and some months you make 
3,000, but over the last 24 months, you have at least bring in 3,000 every month. Well, then I would plan for 3,000 and then use that rest of the money to, you know, fund your retirement, fund your debt that you have racked up, which we don't want to continue that debt, but we want to, you know, basically try to pay off some, some of the stuff that we've done in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. hundred um, percent. What I would have said, uh, you know, what is the lowest month that you're going to get paid? What's the lowest you're going to take home and start from there. That's your baseline. And if, um, then if you had more, what would you do with it and create, you know, a list of, well, if we had a little bit more, we'd do this and a little bit more that we do this as well. So, um, and there's a, a variable budgeting form in there. So, um, in the links. So, so we, we talked about sinking funds, um, and kind of going to sinking funds. I know we talked about property tax and it's like some people are like, I don't know what my property tax is going to be this year. Well, use what you had last year and you can kind of use that as a baseline. Obviously, if you had changes, you get a new car or something, which we're not, we're not promoting going out and buying a brand new car. So, um, but yeah, just be cognizant of those things. Um, you know, don't make excuses of, well, I don't know what this is going to be, so I can't do it. It's like, no, you can, you can make an educated guess. Yeah. And that, that's what um, I tell clients with a financial plan is I can't tell you I can make no guarantees other than I put this financial plan together and I can tell you 100% this is going to be wrong. People, people are like, what? And I, I explain further. I'm saying this is our best educated guess of what we're doing, where we're going, where we want to be. We're making all sorts of assumptions with your financial plan based on, you know, growth of your portfolio and, um, you know, assuming that your job, you're staying at the same job and it's a steady increase. That's not life. Are you saying some people quit their stable teaching career to pursue uh, a business? <laughs> it might be a uh, good opportunity right now with what's going on with schools. I don't know the, what your thought is. I'm, yeah, it's but, crazy out there. But uh, so I, I, I tell them that, that this 100%, this is going to be wrong. But it is the best thing we can do to get you to where you want to be 30 years from now. And it, it doing nothing, um, it's better than doing nothing. This is the best thing we can do. And I kind of look at the budget as that on a smaller scale. You know, we're not talking about 30 years. We're talking about month to month. But it's like put this together and you're going to make adjustments as new information comes in. Right. So, um so you talked about um, on your podcast the other day, uh, Capital One 360. So I, I, th I think some of the challenges people have is if all their money goes into one account. Um, you know, I'm, my wife and I have uh, uh, combined finances. We're on all our accounts together. That's what I recommend for people that are married um, before you're married. I don't recommend doing that just because issues that it can create. Um, but, you know, once you're married, um, it does create issues like you talked about is we're combining finances. Someone else has a say in this now um, and we have competing interests. And uh, um, but it's getting on the same page and communication. Communication is key um, when there's someone else involved with your budget, when you have a spouse that's um, you're working together on the budget. 
and I'm not saying that uh, um, couples that aren't married can't work together on a budget, but I would, I would say do a combined budget, but keep your finances separate. So um, that's my tip. But I think one of the things is all your income going into one account and you have these sinking funds and separating them. And so kind of how we do it, um, I have four different bank accounts and they all have a different purpose. And so you think about your mortgage payment, that's a big chunk of your monthly income. And so if it's just sitting in one account with all your other, I call it my spending money, the bills account. If it's sitting in there, that's a big chunk of your money, right? And so what we do is we have a mortgage and taxes account where we set aside each week, we have money transfer over into that account to fund it for our next mortgage payment and to fund our property taxes for the year, like your sinking funds, um, you know, with the, with the taxes. And um, we also have, you know, an emergency fund account that has our emergency fund over here, rather than just, you know, a big chunk of money sitting in one account. Um, so maybe, maybe talk about uh, what your thoughts are on how you uh, coach people on separating finances, because a lot of people, look at their their account it's like well i still have money in the account so we're doing good we're doing well um don't don't uh, bash on me teachers for my my uh <laughs> a math uh. teacher so you don't have to worry about that so <laughs> i i do one of two things so in the budget that i created i have those categories split out where um so i we don't look at our bank account except to see like the total number and then on the, the front page of my budget, I just like to make sure that that number kind of matches whatever I have uh, in my budget to my bank account. But we look at only at the budget as far as anything that relates to what we're spending our money on categorically. So I also have clients that still don't do well with that. And so that's whenever I recommend doing the Capital One 360 because you can move it into the Capital One 360 and it has, you can create, I think, unlimited different accounts inside of that. Okay. And so you can have, uh, if you want to have like a Christmas account or a, sometimes we just wrap it all into like gifts. So it's not just Christmas, but you could label it gifts. You could label it property tax. You could label it um, home repairs. You could label it vacation. You could label it car repair. And you can bust out all of those sinking funds and put them away outside of your checking account and get them into a savings account that's actually making a little bit of money. Not not currently right now, it's not very good, but uh, yeah. at one point in time, it was like 2.2%. Now it's, I think, 0.8% or something. But um, but at least it's not making, you know, it's not just sitting in your bank account. But on top of that, it gets it out of your bank account so that way you can have it in a separate spot. And then you can look at it and say, okay, here's exactly what I have in there. That's, that's the amount of money that I could spend on a vacation or on a, um, you know, whatever it may be. Another thing, going back just to something earlier, I think that it's hard for people when they first start because they don't have a cushion. But after you get a couple of months into your budget and you realize, okay, this vacation fund, if I'm putting $200 a month in there, five months from now, I'm going to have $1,000. But today I have $0 in there. So that that's something that's also kind of hard is that it really takes about a year to get through the full cycle of trying to make sure that you know what all is coming in the future before a budget can really, really work. And 
you, you alluded to this earlier, but you have to make sure that you stick with it and that you don't give up because there are some challenges. There are some things that you're not expecting. And uh, so just keep going with it and, and be flexible. Don't, don't make it a rigid thing. It's not rigid. Yeah. Jimmy V never give up. Yeah. Um, now is that uh, all one account and then like different buckets over it? Yeah. 360 or is it really separate individual accounts? I don't, I don't know. That's what I'm missing. So I guess it depends on how you look at it. It's one account number. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. But, but inside of the account, there are, you can, break it into subcategories so that way it'll show you exactly what it is but yeah it's all it's all housed within one account just but but you don't see it that way so i think it's just it plays enough with your emotions the eyes your eyes that it, it makes sense to most people yeah yeah so real quick i wanted to kind of get back to budgeting real quick uh cash flow planning so you have your monthly budget right? That's your income for the month. But then there's also this other thing that we talk about is cash flow planning. And I look at this as cash flow planning between paychecks. So your budget is for your whole month, but timing of expenses varies throughout the month. Like with our, our, um, the way our bills are structured, a lot of them are up front at the beginning of the month. So I'm going to have less discretionary money up front. And so if I'm looking at my monthly budget, have this discretionary spending, but during that first pay period, I might not have, you know, that half of it. It might be only a quarter of that, that I actually truly am able to spend without going over. So, um, is that something you, you work with clients on? Not really, to okay. be honest with you. I focus on month. Each month is its own entity. And so, um, now one of the things that I know that, that Dave, um, Ramsey, you know, talks about that I, don't necessarily care about as much. I, ha I have no problem with the use of credit cards, but but I make sure that myself, my wife, and my clients that one, I don't think that they're good if you're in debt because you got to pay them off first and then you can get on onto your you know your life. But if you are taking credit cards, pay them off at the I, I pay them off. We do it on the 31st or the 30th of every single month. And so we just pay them off on that day and then we start a brand new month. And so because of that, it doesn't matter if you get paid on the first or the 15th or the 30th, because you can put some things away. And, and after you build enough of a buffer, it, it also doesn't matter because, um, but, but maybe in those first couple of months, I could see that being challenging. Yeah. But I, I think that if you look at it month to month, it makes, it makes it a lot easier. Plus the people that are getting paid every two weeks get some bonus paychecks in there also. So there's a lot of little ways to trick yourself because so many people need that, they need the little the little gimmicks in their own head to be able to save money, and so having that extra paycheck really can help out as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, uh, I'm a, a reformed credit card user, so I don't I don't I don't use credit cards anymore. So, but you know, teach their own. Um, I, just MIT studies show you know you spend a little bit more, and I think that's with anything because you don't you don't actually feel it like when you're handing over cash to someone and that's also with debit cards. Um, you don't feel it as much, but credit cards, especially yeah. because uh, your balance doesn't go down. It goes up when you spend. So it's, it's, it's definitely a slippery slope. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. So um, again, there's a, a tool in there. If anybody needs a um, cash flow planning for a weekly and some instructions on there, um, courtesy of, of Dave Ramsey's website. So, um, so yeah, let's, let's, uh, 
kind of wrap things up, budgeting tools. Um, I know you use a spreadsheet. Um, I know there's a ton of different budgeting tools out there. I'm an every dollar user. Um, it's a, a free tool that's out there. You can pay to have it sync with your, um, with your accounts. Um, you know, there's a couple others that I'm familiar with. You need a, you need a budget, UNAB, YNAB, <laughs> YNAB, uh, Mint. I used Mint a long time ago. There's envelopes. Um, what do you use? What do you recommend to clients? Any, anything that, any others that I'm missing? So like I said, I've, I've got my own spreadsheet that I enjoy uh, quite a bit actually, but I also really like every dollar. And that's yeah. usually what I recommend to other people either. Um, so the one of the reasons why I like the one that I've created, you can put it up on Google Sheets and you can actually download Google Sheets to your phone. So then you just, it's, it's basically like having uh, every dollar more or less. Um, but I think every dollar does the trick too. Uh, you can have those on your phones. They can sync up with your, uh, your spouse. And so it's super easy to use. Uh, I, I'll be honest. I haven't tried. You need a budget. I haven't used mint. And, uh, so I, when you find something that you love, you just kind of stick with it and go with it. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people say that you need a budget is really good. I haven't tried it. Um, I know some advisors that, you know, rep, rep recommend that to clients. Um, but I think to your point, whatever works for you, find whatever works for you and, um, try it out. And if one thing doesn't work, try something else. Yeah. 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 And a lot of these have, you know, some of them are paid for and they have free trials. I know every dollar has a plus version, um, that you get a free 14 day trial. This isn't a promo for them, but I just like their product. Um, but I, I say, you know, Try out before you buy out. Yeah. You know, a lot of these will have get your annual subscription for a discounted rate. Like try it out for a month, even if it's a little more um, on a monthly basis, just to see if it works for you before committing to something big like that. One of the important things that I think whenever you're looking at a budgeting app, though, and this kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about credit compared to cash. I have all of my clients hand enter everything that they do. Um, so even on every dollar, I don't want them to sync it up. If it's YNAB, I don't want them to have it synced up or Mint or any of those things. I want them to go in and enter it by hand so that way they can see what they've done throughout the day or week. Early in when, when I'm working with a client, I have them um, do it, update their budget daily. And then as they get better at it and as they get more comfortable with it, then we go week to week. And then, you know, sometimes... Some people want to go two weeks or whatever the case may be. But but the thing is, is that you have to hand enter it so way you can see, A, what do I have left? And B, oh my gosh, I made that purchase. Um, see how it actually impacts your overall financial standing. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, like training wheels. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. So, all right. Well, um, hey, we will uh, we will wrap things up. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Sure. So I'm on the gram at uh, the underscore budget underscore teacher. I'm on Facebook at the budget teacher. Um, I've got a podcast that is on Apple, Spotify, basically all of the major podcast outlets. And it's just called the budget teacher podcast. We try to keep everything very simple and easy, I guess. Yeah. And um, I'm actually working on something right now that could be interesting. But my one of the things I found is that my program that I have for clients is not necessarily a cheap program. And I've had a lot of people asking me for a lower cost version. And so I'm, I've got a course that's that I'm working on right now. That's a, just a straight budgeting course. It doesn't do anything outside of that. Um, just 
focuses on the foundation. And um, people could enter their email if they would like at thebudgetteacher.com slash course and uh, be up to date whenever I do release that. I'm hoping by the end of September, but uh, something that's kind of a work in progress right now. Awesome. Awesome. I didn't know that. So you'll have to let me know how that goes. Definitely. We'll, uh, we'll definitely put a link in the show notes so people can check that out if they want. So very cool. David, the budget teacher. Thanks for coming on, man. Hey, this has been great. Uh, congratulations on the start of your podcast. And I, I hope that, you know, great things from here on out. And uh, I'm excited to, to listen to all the future episodes. Oh, thank you. Yours too. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Personal Finance from the Hilltop. If you'd like more information about me or Hilltop Financial Planning, you can visit hilltopfp.com. For links and resources mentioned in the podcast, please be sure to check out the show notes and be sure to hit the subscribe button so you can get all the new episodes when they drop. You can even leave us a five-star review. You can find Personal Finance from the Hilltop on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the Hilltop website. Lastly, a very important disclaimer. My attorneys want me to mention everything on this podcast is my opinion or my guest's opinion and is not to be taken as investment advice because I am not your financial advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as a fiduciary. This podcast is for educational purposes only. Hilltop Financial Planning LLC is a state-registered investment advisor in the state of Missouri, but service clients nationwide. Until next time, signing off from the Hilltop, I'm Kyle Hill.